0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we are in your presence and that when we think about you, the world around us can fade away because you are the central point of our lives. You are the the goal to which we're striving. You're the one who has given us life here and now and forever. And we pray today as we Once again, turn to uh, one of these familiar Christmas carols and think about what it means to adore you. That your Holy Spirit will speak clearly through the words uh, that are written uh, in your holy word uh, from Philippians. And as we look at the text of that carol, O come all you faithful. God, we pray today that as we have gathered in your presence, as we have gathered in your presence wherever we are, Uh, and we could be anywhere in the world because this service is coming uh, as an online situation. God, that you would bind us together by the power of your Holy Spirit, and that your Holy Spirit would speak clearly through my words, and that uh, anything that you want to say or do uh, in me would come clearly across to the people who are watching and listening and hearing your word right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm so glad you've joined us online as we continue our Christmas series, New Beginnings, Thrill of Hope. If this is your first time with us, uh, the series is focusing on some of the favorite Christmas carols that we've come to know and love you know, throughout our lives. And uh, as we look at what they mean, we're going to look at how they impact us and so that we can have a new beginning in this Christmas season. I mean, right now, probably every single one of us realizes that every day, We want to start new and fresh. Every day we want to have a a new beginning that comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Pastor Alex kicked us off last week and we looked at the Advent carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. He did an amazing job. If you missed that, I would encourage you to go online and and look at it uh, through the New Life app or you could go to newlifexn.org. But right now what we're going to do is turn our attention to O Come, All Ye Faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, one of my favorite Christmas carols. It was originally called Adeste Fidelis because it was written in Latin 276 years ago. And it had eight verses. Now, we're not going to go through all eight verses. We're just going to go through the three that we sang together today. If we're uh, going to experience New Beginnings... In any area of our lives, but especially during this Christmas season, expressing our praise and adoration to Jesus is a great place to start. And we're going to do that because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, His Son. We're going to uh, think about something right now that you may not know. Jesus never told us to celebrate His birthday. I mean, we all celebrate our birthdays, right? But Jesus never told us to celebrate His birthday. What He told us to remember is His death. Jesus told us to remember his death. And on the night before he was crucified, he gathered his 12 disciples together in an upper room to celebrate the Passover. But as they remembered and celebrated what God had done in delivering the Israelites, his chosen people from slavery, thousands of years before uh, slavery in Egypt, Jesus took the Passover celebration and twisted it and changed it into something entirely new and different because he took a piece of bread and he said, this Is my body given for you? Do this in remembrance of me. And afterwards, he took the cup and he said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. All of you drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. The disciples must have looked at each other and said, What is he talking about? They had no idea what he was doing in that moment. They had no idea the significance of that moment for their lives. Jesus had come to sacrifice himself, to shed his innocent blood to save them and to save us from sin and death. So if you're thinking right now, well, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about Christmas. I thought we were going to talk about, oh, come all ye faithful. We are, but we're going to focus on it, not from the beginning, from Jesus' birth, but from the end, from his death and resurrection, and work our way backwards. On that first Christmas night so long ago, when Jesus was born, nobody realized that Jesus had actually come for the purpose of dying. Everybody thought that when the Messiah came, what he would do is he would be a king, a powerful king who would reestablish Israel's presence in the world, defeat the Romans who were the occupying power at the time and put Israel back on the map as the central power in the world. Now, Jesus did come to establish an eternal kingdom and one day he is going to return from heaven to defeat the devil and everybody who stands against him and who has not trusted him as Savior and Lord but what happened two thousand years ago was somewhat different than that Jesus came the first time to die for us that's why we adore him and to adore means to worship or venerate. Now, venerate means to regard with great respect, to revere. To revere means to feel deep respect or admiration. And to respect is a deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, their qualities, or uh, their achievements. So as we see, Jesus deserves our veneration, our adoration, our reverence, and our respect. We're going to dig deep into that powerful Christmas carol, Come All ye Faithful. But before we do that, what we're going to do is we're going to see why we ought to adore Jesus in the very first place. And to do that, we need to turn to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippian church. To get us started, let's look at our take-home point. And if you're watching with us for the very first time, the take-home point is the one point we're going to take from Scripture, not from the Christmas carol, but from Scripture, and that we're going to use in our lives this coming week at home, at work, wherever we are, and uh, we're going to do that after we find out what it is. So here it is. We adore Jesus because he was obedient to death. We adore Jesus because he was obedient to death. Once again, yes, we are talking about Jesus' birth today, but we know Jesus wasn't just born in an amazing way. I mean, his birth was pretty amazing. But we know that Jesus also lived a perfect life, the only perfect life. Was ever lived. We know that when he taught, he spoke the very words of God because he was God, and then he died obediently for us. After that, Jesus rose from the dead, returned to heaven, and one day he is going to come back to claim all who know him and who adore him forever. Jesus' obedience to death was an obedience to his heavenly Father. That's what we're going to read about in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. We're going to see that God's powerful response to his son's obedience was to elevate Jesus to a name that's above every name. Before we get there, though, I would like you to turn, if you have your Bible, your Bible app, to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Now, if you don't have a Bible, Bible app, it's going to be on the screen. Before we turn there, let me give you a little bit of background. Paul loved the church. At Philippi. And when I say that, I mean he loved the people who loved Jesus and followed Jesus in Philippi. And that's what a church is. A church is people who love and follow Jesus. We have a handful of letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to various churches in his day. They were either churches that he or someone else started by going to their cities and telling them the good news about how much God loves us. Now, the good news of Jesus starts with bad news. The bad news is we rejected God. We turned away from Him. It started with a couple named Adam and Eve, but every person that's watching with me right now has rejected God, and so have I. We've put ourselves first, or we've put some other person or something first. We haven't believed that Jesus is Lord, meaning owner or Savior, meaning the one who rescued us from sin and death, or even if we have, we certainly haven't done that perfectly. The good news is that Jesus... (laughs) didn't stop loving us, that God didn't stop loving us. The Holy Spirit, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, none of them stopped loving us just because we rejected them. And God made a way for us to be in relationship with Him forever. And that way is Jesus. Paul shared the good news that good news of God's love for us in Jesus Christ all over the known world of his day. And many times people responded. They were born again, to use Jesus' term. They began to follow Jesus. And some did it with more passion than others. Some did it with more obedience than others. But when Paul wrote his letter to the people who loved and followed Jesus in Philippi, he told them that he loved them, that he thanked God for them all the time. He told them that he prayed for them. I can't prove it. But I think the people who loved and followed Jesus in Philippi were Paul's favorite people on the planet. And I get that because I have that kind of love for all of you. The people who love and follow Jesus right here in Saxonburg and in many other areas near and far. A couple of ends ago at the 830 in-person service, I was really struggling. And I told the people who were there that morning about it. And I experienced the presence and power of the Holy Spirit through them because they prayed for me. They encouraged me. And, and in that moment, I realized that that's what it's supposed to be like with people who love and follow Jesus. We love each other, we encourage each other, we even correct each other in Jesus' name when we need to. So after Paul told those believers in Philippi how thankful he was for God, to God for them, how much he loved them, how often he prayed for them, he said, I'm in prison. And he wasn't sure if he was going to get out of prison. In fact, he said it didn't really matter whether he got out of prison or not, because he put it this way, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, as long as I'm living, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. But when I die, I get to go to heaven and be with him. So then he said, how it's so important for us, how we live is so important so that whether we live or die, we're going to bring glory to God. And as chapter two begins, Paul reminded the Philippian church of the encouragement that comes from belonging to Jesus Christ and the participation in the faith they have through the Holy Spirit. Then he said that they have a common affection and a sympathy for one another because of their love for Jesus. And he urged them to make his joy complete. And he said, here's how you can make my joy complete. Have unity. Have the same love be." in full accord, and be of one mind. And that's impossible. It's impossible to do that, to have unity, to be in in one accord, unless you have Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, unless the Holy Spirit's living in your life. And that's why he told them they needed to do that at the very beginning of chapter 2. And then he said this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition, Or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. He wasn't saying that other people are more significant than we are. He said we should consider them that way so that we will love them and serve them in Jesus' name. And then he wrote these words. These are the ones we want to focus on right now to see why we adore Jesus. He said, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So, what an incredibly tall order, right? We have to have the same attitude as Jesus. Well, what kind of attitude did Jesus have? He said this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Now let's pause and let that sink in for a moment. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. God the Father and Jesus were equals. They were in heaven and they were in perfect unity and love. And the Holy Spirit was also in that relationship, in perfect love and perfect unity. And then one moment the Father said, son... It's time to go to earth and save humanity from its sin, to save humanity from itself. Picture yourself in that moment. You're Jesus. Let's picture yourself being Jesus, so you're God. And in that moment, when your Heavenly Father says, time for you to go, do you say, why don't you go? Or or do you turn to the Holy Spirit and you say, why don't you send him instead of me? Why do I have to go? Couldn't you picture that kind of conversation? But that isn't what Jesus did. It says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges, emptied himself. I put emptied himself in parentheses there because that's the literal translation of how the original Greek reads. Jesus emptied himself. He took off his omnipotence and he put on flesh and blood. And then Paul wrote, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. That's what we celebrate every December 25th. We don't know actually whether Jesus was born on December 25th or even in December. Some argue that we shouldn't even celebrate Christmas because December 25th was originally a pagan holiday. We shouldn't celebrate, uh, elevate a pagan holiday by calling it Jesus' birthday. But I think it's a brilliant, incredibly brilliant idea, don't you? Let, let me put it this way. If I tell you don't think about a purple cow, do not think about a purple cow. Whatever you do, don't think about a purple cow. What are you thinking about right now? Well, unless you're consciously trying to think about something else, you're thinking about a purple cow. So what better way to eliminate a pagan holiday than to celebrate the birth of God's only son, Jesus, on it? He was born, that's for sure, and we don't know for sure what day, but why not make it December 25th? Because when we do that, what happens is we're going to forget about that purple cow, that pagan holiday. In fact, it worked. Most people don't even know what the pagan holiday was called anymore, do they? Do you? Christmas is December 25th. We have a birthday for the Lord and Savior that we love and serve. So here's why we ought to celebrate Jesus coming to earth, whatever day we celebrate it, emptying himself and becoming one of us. It says, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You know, we think we had a hard year in 2020, and we did. Some of us lost our jobs. Some of us lost loved ones. Some of us weren't able to go to school for six months. Some of us had other things happen. Our health was impacted. But here's the thing. We didn't do any of that voluntarily, did we? It happened to us because of the COVID-19 pandemic. No one said, God, I'm going to stay home for the next six months. Or nobody said, I'll give up my job and suffer the economic consequences because I want to. It happened to us because of COVID-19. But Jesus... When Jesus came to the earth, he did it voluntarily. He voluntarily became a human being. He emptied himself of omnipotence to become one of us. And he obeyed God, his Father, even to the point of dying a criminal's death on a cross. He never broke a law, not one. He never even broke one single law. He was not guilty. Even the Roman governor Pilate recognized he wasn't guilty, said so, and yet crucified him anyway. So when Paul said you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, he was telling us to be willing to suffer, to put others first, to be willing to die if necessary, to love and follow Jesus. After all, we are called to live our lives as Jesus' followers as those underlined actions in the the statement I just made occur. Twice the word willing appears. You know what it means to be willing to do something? It means to be ready, eager, prepared to do it. That's what Jesus calls us to do, to suffer, to die if necessary, to be willing to do those things. Why? Because he has already done more for us, and because if we really love Jesus, love isn't a feeling, not the way Jesus used the word. It's an action that is ongoing. Here's what happened because Jesus was willing to be obedient even to the point of dying on a cross for you and me. It says, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what that means? It means we're supposed to adore him. God the Father elevated Jesus to a place that's above every other name, every other name, above the, you know, above the earth, on the earth, under the earth. <laughs> that covers it, doesn't it? That's everywhere. Everywhere Jesus should be worshipped. And notice it says should be worshipped. That's not what it says. Every knee should bow. In the original Greek, it's, it's better to translate every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every place God should be worshipped. So now let's turn to that Christmas carol that we sang together, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, come, us adore him Christ the Lord. Now, let's take a little open book quiz here. We're gonna leave that verse up on the screen beside me, and I'm gonna ask you some questions. Now, you shout out the answers. Now, I realize you're watching online, but even there sitting on your couch or your chair, wherever you are watching, you can still shout out the answer, all right? So here it is. First question. Who is supposed to come? Who is supposed to come? What does the verse say? That's right, you got it, I heard you. It's the the faithful, the joyful, and the triumphant. Now, I don't know exactly what the author meant by the words faithful, joyful, and triumphant, but I do know the word faithful means that we are Being faithful and putting our trust in Jesus. Being joyful means to be filled with joy, a sense that all is well, even if it's 2020. That's what being joyful means. Triumphant can mean many different things. But here it means celebrating after a battle has been won. We didn't win any battles. Jesus did. Notice we're singing about Jesus' birth. But his coming meant that the devil's doom was already sealed. We still have time to wait for Jesus' ultimate victory when he comes back and establishes his kingdom forever. But even right now, we have victory over sin and death because Jesus came to the earth as a baby and lived that perfect life and was obedient even to death on a cross. Next question. Who is born the king of angels? Yes, Jesus. It's not a trick question. Now, you know, Jesus' name doesn't actually appear in O Come All You Faithful till the third verse, but we already know we're talking about Jesus. And one of the things that I want you to understand is Jesus is his name, and we're going to talk about his title in a moment. So what is Jesus' title? That's right. It's in the verse, Christ. The title is Christ. It means Messiah or anointed one. And his name is Jesus. And that's why whenever I talk about Jesus, I very rarely say Christ. I usually say Jesus. Because Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. There's nothing wrong with praying in Christ's name or singing a song about Christ. But Jesus is his name. It's sort of like when you call me Chris or Pastor Chris, I know that you know me. When you call me Dr. Marshall, which is my title, and I earned that title, I know that either you're playing around with me or you don't know me very well. When the phone rings and somebody says, is Dr. Marshall there? I know that they don't know me because they would call me Chris or Pastor Chris if they knew me. So here's the next question. Well, let's move on to verse two. Sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Oh, sing all you citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Now, here's an easy one. What kind of choir sang about Jesus' birth? That's right, an angel choir. Now, if an angel choir sings at your birth, there's probably something pretty significant about you. And considering that only one time in the history of the universe has an angel choir sang at anybody's birth, Jesus' birth is the most significant birth in history. How many times in this verse are we called to adore Jesus? Yes, three. Three times. Given that the song has eight verses, what does that mean? We're supposed to adore Jesus, called to adore Jesus, 24 times. 24 times. Now, the, the number 24 is a little significant because in heaven, there are 24 elders. I have no idea if the original author saw 24 elders and he made adore him eight verses 24 times. But here's the thing I do know. Heaven is all about adoring God. We're familiar with Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. It's based on the book of Revelation, and worship in heaven. So, only God deserves our adoration, and Jesus is God. He didn't consider equality with God something to cling to, but He emptied Himself. He became one of us so we could become one with Him, and one day we could be one with Him forever. That's why we must adore Him. God exalted Jesus above every name, every person, every being because of who he is and what he did for us. So let's look at verse three. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. So here's our next question. Was it a happy morning, yes or no? Yes, it says born this happy morning. Why did I ask that question? Because sometimes that we think that happiness is only something that happens during a very good or pleasant time, right? But Jesus was born in humble circumstances. Jesus had to leave that little town of Bethlehem and travel to be in exile in Egypt for years because the king of Israel, Herod, wanted to kill him. He was jealous of Jesus and wanted him to die. So it wasn't necessarily an easy time An easy moment, but it was definitely happy because of what happened for us. Next question. According to the song, to whom is all glory given? Yes, Jesus. That's a safe answer many times when we're talking, you know, matters of questions about faith, but Jesus deserves all glory, honor, and praise, all the adoration we can offer him because he was obedient to death. Even death on a cross, he paid the penalty for human sin so that we can have life now and forever. So here's the last question. It's even written down for you. What is the best way to show our adoration for Jesus in everyday life? The reason I wrote the question down is it doesn't really, the answer doesn't appear in the song. The answer is simple the best way that we can show our adoration for Jesus in everyday life is to obey him. One of my mentors used to say this, to love God is to trust him enough to obey him. Let me add add something. To adore Jesus means to put him first in our lives, which means to obey him. I'm sure Jesus enjoys hearing us sing songs to him and about him. I'm sure that Jesus enjoys our gathering together to worship him. But I know Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is, you will obey me. That's why today's next step is, I will adore Jesus by obeying him this week. I will adore Jesus by obeying him this week. Let me help us with that. First of all, if we want to live out that next step, it's not going to be enough to try to obey Jesus. Even if we try with all our might, sometimes we're going to succeed and sometimes we're going to fail. We're going to need to submit ourselves to him and the living in the power of His Holy Spirit. Jesus came to free us from sin and death. He lived obediently in every detail, even to death. That's because He is God, and it's because the Spirit of God was in Him every single moment, and He listened and obeyed that voice that was with Him. For us to live obediently, to show our adoration for Jesus every day this week is going to mean that we're going to start by submitting to His Lordship and then we're going to submit to the presence of His Holy Spirit so that we'll live in the Spirit's power rather than our flesh. When we do that, and only when we do that, will we adore Him by obeying Him this week. Amen? Amen. Everything I've said today relies on one important thing, that the Holy Spirit is leading in our lives. We're only going to obey Jesus. We're only going to adore Jesus when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, leading us and guiding us because Jesus is Lord and Savior in our lives. But if Jesus is not Savior, if we haven't trusted him to rescue us from sin and death, if we haven't made him Lord in our lives, which means the one who is our master, who tells us what to do, then we cannot do any of the things that that we just said. So, have you ever trusted Jesus as Lord in your life, as Savior? If not, I always say this. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's as simple as A-B-C. A is admit. We admit that we're sinners. We admit that we're broken, that we rejected God, that the reason that Jesus had to come and die on the cross is because of us. The second thing is we believe the truth about Jesus, that He is the name that's above every other name in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that He is Lord and God, and that His heavenly Father exalted Him to that position because He saved us from sin and death. And we believe that not just as, a, as an intellectual affirmation, but as basically as with every ounce of our being. And then see, we confess to God the sins that we have committed, and we confess to others around us that Jesus is Lord, that we want to put His name above every other name in our lives. So right now, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to the Lord in prayer. If you're watching and you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life, and you want to do that right now, pray with me. And I'll I'll pray a prayer that that you can pray along with me. Um, If you've already trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, you're already adoring him in this Christmas season, then there's going to be part of the prayer that's for you as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that Jesus and Jesus alone is worthy of our adoration. Of all the people who have ever lived, no one, not one, is God in the flesh, only Jesus. And so right now, God, I pray for any who are listening, any watching, who, who, who say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. God, we simply pray this. We admit, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I, and I ask that, that anybody who needs to say that, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus is Lord. And God, I believe that He's Savior, that He rescued me from my sin and from my, my certain death, both physical and spiritual death. And right now, we confess, God. We confess to you the sin of our lives, and we confess to anyone who will listen that Jesus is our Lord, our Savior, our God. And God, for all of us who are right now in the midst of this Christmas season, maybe struggling, maybe thinking about all we've lost during this year, maybe wondering why this COVID virus doesn't just go away, why you, God, haven't done something. I pray right now that you would pour your Holy Spirit into us new and fresh and in a powerful way. God, I pray right now that we would be empowered to live out that next step, that we would adore Jesus by obeying your voice, your words, your truth, in every area of our lives, in the little things and the great ones. God, we know that you and you alone are God. And we worship you, one God, Father, Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit right now. And we ask you as we go into this new week to bring that we will bring glory and honor to you, that we will adore you by obeying you. In Jesus' name, amen. If any of you who are watching trusted Jesus for your very first time as Savior and Lord, please Push that button that says uh, raise your hand and then someone will be there to talk with you and tell you a little bit more about that new life in Jesus. For the rest of you, I thank you so much for joining in worship. And as you go out today, I want you to remember to go out into the world in peace, to love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, to render no one evil for evil, but always to turn back evil with good. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all today and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Amen. God bless you.